his second book that deals with life as an African-American growing up in Southwest Virginia, Dr. Jerry Jones discusses the challenges facing black students and professionals as they strive toward life success. They Included Me, a five-decade teaching career, is Jones's reflection on his own career path, beginning as a young child and continuing through his years at a segregated school and ending with his experiences as a college professor of computer science at Emory Henry College. Jones is also the author of Go and Come Again, which was published in 2011. The book focuses largely on the segregation years in this region. A native of Glade Spring, Jones has also become, through his writings and presentations, one of the leading authorities on black history in Southwest Virginia. And he joins me today in the studio to talk about his recent book. Welcome to the show, Dr. Jones. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I very much enjoyed reading your book. Uh, It was hard to put down, actually. I'm noticing that in reading it, it is in many ways different from the last book you wrote, Go and Come Again, which dealt with segregation in this region. But in many ways, it's also very impactful because while it doesn't talk per se about segregation, it does allude to, I think, the struggles that African-American professionals would have had to rise through education to be successful. And it's demonstrated, I think, through your own personal story. And so I want to kind of run that theme through our conversation a bit right. today, because I right. think it does very much run through your book, but also makes it very interesting. And the other thing that I've observed, Jerry, is that if you weren't writing these books that you are about yourself in many ways, but reflecting on the conditions for African-Americans, nobody else would be recording this. Do you know of anybody else is doing this work that you are, even if it's from a personal perspective, to tell the story of African-Americans in Southwest Virginia, at least currently? To be honest with you, I don't really know of anyone else that is. Of course, uh, there are some people who I know were aspiring to write books that documented their family's history. Uh, But because I was a teacher, mine went sort of beyond just my family. Uh, It went beyond uh, my hometown. It went maybe regional more so than just the things, the few things that I did. But I didn't start out with that in mind. I started out with being able to first thank people for the previous book and to document things that people probably didn't know about me, about the jobs that I've had, the things that I went through to get where I ended up after starting teaching more than five decades ago. You say at one point in your book that being able to say that you were going to be a college professor was a surreal moment for it you. It was. In fact, it seems like on a lot of the passages of your yes. book, you're expressing a bit of surprise with yourself and being yes. able to do what you were able to do educationally. Why is that? Well, one thing, when I was in college, my major was business education, which essentially was designed to teach uh, people to uh, become teachers at the high school level. 
uh, to teach courses. Well, back then we didn't really have computer courses, certainly in the 1960s, early 60s, but we did have accounting. We did have economics. We did have general business, as well as the clerical things like typing, shorthand, and all of that. So somehow I ended up as the, in having that major. Uh, it didn't dawn on me that I could actually end up being a college professor until I went to graduate school, and that was like 1972. And while we were at Virginia State, Virginia State College as it was then, we rubbed shoulders with folks who already were aspiring to teach at the college level. So it was the environment that sort of moved me into that same mindset. You recount in your book that when you graduated from college in 1969, it was hard for you to find a job. And in fact, you'd have people who would tell you that they had interviews for you and you'd go to them in distant locations like Roanoke or Richmond, and then you they you would find out they would tell there me was a, no vacancies. What was the reason behind that? I'm still even after all these years. I don't guess I will ever know the true reason. My humor sometimes would say that well, they knew that I was black simply because on my resume or in my letter. I stated that I was a graduate of Virginia State College, which at that time was not a HBCU. It was an ABCU, all black. Historically black. Yeah, historically black. But in 1969, when I finished there, it was essentially all black. And so they knew my color. So jokingly, I might often have said, well, after they saw how skinny I was, I guess they were afraid to hire me for fear that I would fall apart or that the students would beat me up. Who knows why? (laughs) Who knows why? But the point of the matter is that uh, it started me thinking. uh, Of course, in retrospect, I'm glad that I didn't start my career in Virginia because I probably would have not picked up on the computer teaching maybe for many years later. Mm -hmm. Uh, I ended up in Baltimore where they were starting to teach high school kids programming and other computer-related activities. Now, you have had three stints as a college professor, correct? Two. Two, and then one in a— One in high school. What were those schools? The— First, in Baltimore, was a high school teacher. I was at two different schools. The first one was an all-girls school called Eastern, which was in eastern Baltimore, not far from then the Memorial Stadium on 33rd Street. And then I took a leave of absence for one year to get my master's. I decided to go back to Virginia and get it. Even though some people thought I should study there in Baltimore, I took a couple of courses at Morgan State in Baltimore, but I wanted to go back to where I got my bachelor's degree and to uh, learn more from the professors that I knew as an undergraduate. My Baltimore experience was about five years. My 
community college experience in Richmond was 27 years, and my experience here at Emory was 20 years. I think that adds up to be 52. Point is, it's over 50. That's the main thing. Well, I know when you came to Emory and Henry College, it was mostly because you came back to this region to care for your mother. That's right. Who passed in what year? Uh, 2005. But the college decided they wanted you here to teach. Right. Did that surprise you, the idea that you were coming back basically to retire, and then lo and behold, they wanted you to continue to work? Well, the, the discussion about my coming back to teach actually started before I physically moved back here. I think it was the year 2000. Of course, I didn't officially move here until 2001. And briefly how it happened was one of the members of the Emory and Henry board was uh, Ann Hill of the Hill family that is all over this region and maybe a little bit kin to me somewhere down the line. She called me one day. She was not living in Glade, but she had come back to Glade one day in the summer of 2000, I guess it was, uh, for a funeral. And she called me and asked me had I ever considered teaching at Emory uh, Henry. And to be quite honest with you, I had to answer the question by saying, no, I'd never considered it. And I hadn't. And the reason being, I knew that it was a great school, is a great school, but I didn't think that my background and what I had been teaching in Baltimore and Richmond, I didn't see where that would fit into what I had heard was the main focus of Emory and Henry. Well, to make the long story short, I ended up having a sort of an interview with then-President Morris, uh, and we sort of talked not just about me coming to Emory, but some of my background, et cetera, et cetera. So it was 2001 when I came. I think my title was adjunct professor, and I knew what that meant because we had those in Richmond. So I expected to teach a course, and the next year, who knows what. It was also, and you describe this in your book, the fact that you were a little uncertain about teaching back in this region. Right. Although you're from Glade Spring, you yes. were born there, you live in the home that you were born in. Right. You were a little intimidated by Emory Henry, not just perhaps because of its reputation, but also because of the region in which it was. Exactly. And the predominantly white student population. Right, right. But there was a really poignant moment that I want you to describe when you decided that this was perhaps the place that you should be. Well, it's I think I even coined a phrase to describe it. And part of my problem was not with the college, not with me per se, but with my educational history. Because before I started teaching in Baltimore, you have to understand that before I went to college, I spent 12 years in this region in the segregated school system. I went to an all-black elementary school walking distance from where I live right now. By the way, the building is still there, although it probably is not going to last long because the roof is uh, not as it should be. But anyway, I knew that uh, Emory Henry was a great school, and just the notion of me being a faculty member 
at the college that we used to pass every day on our way to the all-black high school in Bristol, it was just mind-boggling. And it wasn't anything that had happened at that time. It was all in my mind. It was all in my psyche. And so it finally dawned on me that coming to Emory to teach for however long, with whatever title they wanted to put on me, it was not just all about me. It was that I was a surrogate, stand-in, whatever word you want to use, for all these generations of African Americans, especially in this particular county, not just Southwest Virginia, but specifically uh, Washington County, African Americans who always felt less than. But talk about the moment that you realized this was the place for you. You were in the chapel. I was in the chapel, and I didn't have to be there because the dean told me that as an adjunct that I didn't have to go to all these meetings. Plus, you you need to understand that the year that they hired me was not like a new year school year like it is today when you have all these meetings and you have new faculty people in a special meeting and stuff. I was basically on my own. I don't think they hired but maybe one or two people total for that year. And so I decided to go to some things just to sort of see what it was like. They started singing a song in the chapel, uh, The Lord Bless You and Keep You. Yeah, the Lutkin Benediction. A benediction. Of course, I have this music background. When I was in high school, we sang that song all the time in the Glee Club in Douglas. And it just, you know, there's always a time when something just hits you and you don't know why. And I start crying and doing things that I don't normally do or say I don't think anybody knows it, but I sure did. And so that's when all of this dawned on me that maybe I'm supposed to be here, just like maybe I was supposed to go to Baltimore so that I could learn computers before a lot of other people knew computers. In other words, it was starting to dawn on me that everything that was starting to happen in my life was just not me planning things like I'll do this and then I'll become this and then I'll move there and then I will help. It wasn't about that. It was that the story has probably already been written and I'm simply to follow the the lines of that story. I'm talking today with Dr. Jerry Jones and we're talking about his most recent book, entitled They Included Me, A Five-Decade Teaching Career. We're going to go to a break, Jerry, but when we come back, I want to switch gears and go from teaching to your own education a little bit. You have been listening to Together to Get There, the show dedicated to economic and community development in Southwest Virginia, and I am the host, Dirk Moore, and you are listening to WEHC 90.7 and WISE 90.5, the voice of Southwest Virginia.
and welcome back to Together to Get There. Today I am talking with Dr. Jerry Jones. He has written his latest book. It is entitled, They Included Me, A Five-Decade Teaching Career. We have been talking about that teaching career, and I wanted to switch gears, Jerry, to talk a little bit about your experiences as a student, Mm -hmm. what led up to that teaching career. And you mentioned that you went to Douglas High School, um, which was a segregated school. Right, right. And it seems to me in your book you talk a lot about many of the limitations that that school had. How impactful do you think those limitations were on you as an individual and on the trajectory of not only your career but maybe many other students who isn't there? Right. Well, of course, when you're a student, you don't really have enough perspective to know whether what you are studying or what curriculum you are involved in, just how it ranks. But I can tell you that the teachers were outstanding. And what they were able to do, not just in Douglas, but also to some extent in the elementary school there in Glade Spring, the teachers did their very best. They created miracles out of less than on every other scale. There oftentimes were not new books. I can remember in the eighth grade uh, taking a math course, and the book was ancient. And even as a young eighth grader, I knew the book was outdated because of a map which showed the time zones in the United States Most people know that today, uh, 2023, the time zone that separates uh, Eastern Time from Central is on the other side of Knoxville, Tennessee. And the only reason I know that is because I traveled to Memphis one time and discovered where it was. But in this particular book, we were using the timeline division between Eastern and Central was, uh, like, very close. I mean, Mm -hmm. like, close to Bristol as opposed to close to Knoxville. So just little things like that. And then the other thing was our school, compared to Patrick Henry here not far from uh, Emory, uh, we did not have a course in physics. We did not have a course in some of the other Uh, standard courses that you would find in high schools in the 1960s. Did I know it at the time? No, because how would I know what they were offering at other schools? So to some extent, that may have impacted the overall education that I got at Douglas or even the elementary school in Glade Spring. Time would tell just how uh, I ranked with other students across the Commonwealth. Well, speaking of time, you write in your book, I can retrospectively report that Douglas High School succeeded in making the most of a difficult situation, a situation that had adolescents being transported hundreds of miles each week to a comparatively small school. Right. And then you go on to talk about how that really affected your life because you would be on the road so yes. much during the day. And We home. wasted a lot of our time, our, our days, uh, on the bus mm-hmm. because, as most people would know who were 
around this area back in the 60s. We did not have an interstate highway in 1960. We had Route 11. We had Main Street in Abingdon, et cetera, et cetera. And so from Glade Spring to Bristol took more than an hour one way when you consider all of the stops that we made in the various communities like Meadowview and Abingdon and so forth. And by the time we got home, near 5 o'clock in the evening, uh, most young people wouldn't admit to this. We were probably tired. Mm-hmm. We were probably zonked out, if that's a word that describes people back in those <laughs> days. But anyway, uh, and to say nothing about the extracurricular activities, that was a I mean, you almost had to put that in a book because people couldn't understand it just hearing it. How did you go to a basketball game or a football game that started at 7 o'clock when you didn't get back to Glade Spring until 5 o'clock? It wasn't easy, let's put it that way. And the school bus drivers any number of times would make two round trips per day, especially during football season when lots of guys from the county were football players and they had to practice after school. And by the time they finished practice, the school bus had been all the way to Glade Spring and then came back to Bristol to pick them up. So a lot of time was spent on the road. Do you think that a lot of your classmates maybe didn't go to college because they were sort of not impressed with the experience that they had as high school students or were not perhaps directed to college in the way that you were, which was sort of a self-directed, self-initiated effort? That's a good point. I don't, I'm thinking about the ones that did go to college, like uh, Scrapper Brody, who ended up coming here to Emory and Henry. I didn't think that it stop them from going. Uh, Oftentimes, the thing that stopped them was more localized. By that, I mean maybe someone got married very early and started to have children very early and could not, therefore, go on to college. Or maybe someone had an illness in their family. Or someone, one fellow that I know, I had to drop out of high school because his father passed away and he enlisted in the in the service so that he could support his family in the absence of his father. So I guess what I'm suggesting and I can't document this, I'm just have a gut feeling that the reasons that some did not go to college were the reasons that other students had across the board. Mm -hmm. When you talk about the limitations, though, of the facilities, at the same time, you really are praising many of your teachers in this book. And many of them didn't have the college degrees, but you felt like they did a commendable job in the work that they did. I think you talk about teachers all along your path from when you were an elementary student all the way through your graduate degree programs. Why is it important for you to acknowledge these teachers in the way that you do? It's very important. In fact, that's one of the high reasons for the book because I not only wanted to mention names, 
where I could find them, I wanted to put pictures, and that was a challenge trying to find them because you can't, I mean, people who were adults and professors in the 60s, most are all deceased now, and you can't just sort of type their name on the Internet and expect to see a picture to pop up. But anyway, let's take the student, uh, the teachers I had at uh, Virginia State. As you may have heard me say at some point, uh, many of them who were professors back in the 60s in the business school where I was enrolled, many of them did not have a PhDs or EDDs or any other doctorates. And it was simply because of the time. Mm -hmm. But their teaching abilities, in my view, and I'm using my retrospective eyesight now, their teaching uh, uh, skills were excellent. And that's one thing that promoted me. I wanted to do at least as good a job as they did. Mm -hmm. uh, certainly, I don't know that anybody would say that I did, but that was my goal. And anyway, even in Douglas, many of them had degrees from what today would be called HBCUs, mm -hmm. like Fisk, like uh, St. Augustine over in North Carolina, like Virginia State, where I went. The list is very long. So even in the 50s and 60s, the Douglas High Schools of the region, and by the way, there were more than one. There was Douglas and Bristol and Kingsport and other places. They were the ultimate scholars of their day, and they did great teaching, and they were good role models. Mm -hmm. And I need to mention that one of my high school teachers is still alive. <laughs> uh, and you know how old I am. <laughs> so when you figure that out, if she lives till August of this year, I think she will be 102, uh -huh. uh, if I'm not mistaken. She is uh, in Bristol. Uh, she taught me eighth grade math. She taught me algebra one, <clears throat> excuse me. And she was also one of the advisors to the student council where I was president at one time. And she was also librarian. That's another point. Teachers at Douglas didn't just have one thing that they were known for. They might teach history one year, and they might teach government the next year. Or somebody else might teach math followed by trigonometry. The list is just immense. Well, I only have time for one more question, yes. Jerry, but I want to get back to the topic or the title of the book. Yes. They Included Me. Yes. I know this is based on a gospel song yes. of the 20th century. What else does it mean, though, in terms of what you are trying to express in this book? Well, the big thing for me is that the three jobs that I had, they included me at those jobs or in those jobs, even though I felt like I was not up to the call. Uh, the first job in Baltimore, it wasn't so much the job uh, of what to teach. It was where I was teaching. It's a long way from Glade Spring to Baltimore, and I mean that literally and figuratively because Baltimore in 1969 was the sixth or seventh largest city in the country. And Glade Spring 
Well, Glade Spring is Glade Spring. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> okay. So that was one issue. And, of course, cultures are different from cities and uh, country and whatnot. When I got to uh, J. Sergeant Reynolds uh, teaching in uh, Richmond, uh, the reason I didn't feel like I would be uh, included there, we were teaching computers when computers were still new. Mm-hmm. And a lot of colleges didn't have degrees in computers in the 50s and 60s. I'm teaching in a computer department, a computer subjects, even though none of my degrees at the time had the word computer or information systems in the title. And then you know the reason why I didn't feel that I would be included at Emory because uh, this was the paramount school that I passed by every day back in the days of segregation. Emory was segregated. High schools were segregated. When I left here in 65, everything was segregated. And now I'm teaching there. It was a mind bender, to say the least. Well, Emory and Henry College included you, and we they thank did. God that they did. And I am so thankful that you're here today to talk to me about your book. They included me, a five-decade teaching career by Dr. Jerry Jones. Thank you, Jerry, for being on the show with me today. I think this is your third appearance on this show, and it is always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. You have been listening to Together to Get There, the show dedicated to economic and community development in Southwest Virginia. I am your host, Dirk Moore, and you are listening to WEHC 90.7 and WISE 90.5, the voice of Southwest Virginia. Thank you for listening.